Hello and welcome back to the True Blue LA podcast. I'm Jacob Birch. I'm with Eric Steven. It's been a couple of weeks. We've got um, some odds and ends to catch up on. We have uh, my sort of like, I think the main theme of this episode is minor league stuff. Mm-hmm. But we're going to start with major league stuff. Ah, that's that's major league stuff. Big uh, big news there involving the Negro Leagues. That um, uh, well, yeah, we'll, we'll get into it. It's it, it's um, a really interesting bit of news. Uh, as you mentioned, we've got a bunch of Dodger related minor league stuff. After that, we have a Dodgers rewind. We have questions from Craig. We're going to talk about all of that after this. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So yesterday, and I'm just I'm going to read this from the press release, even though I have some reservations about that. From Major League Baseball. Yeah, Uh, yeah, the press release from Major League Baseball. Uh, Commissioner of Baseball Robert D. Manfred Jr. announced today that Major League Baseball is correcting a long-time oversight in the game's history by officially elevating the Negro Leagues to the Major League status. During this year's centennial celebration of the founding of the Negro Leagues, MLB is proud to highlight the contributions of the pioneers who played in these seven distinct leagues from 1920 to 1948. So I think... Major League Baseball, as they are want to do, did a, a good um, marketing job with this in that it's largely being praised, as it should be. It's a very, it is a positive step, right? Uh, like, this is, um, this is this is a good thing. Uh, but I think you can even tell when I um, uh, 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 sort of read that, there's there's some problems with this, and I think it's important that we, we talk about that. Um, some writers, uh, some baseball, black baseball writers yesterday did a really good job covering this. Um, Clinton Yates wrote an article for The Undefeated that we'll link in the show notes that really covered why, yes, this is a this is a, a positive thing, but there's problems. Na- na- like, namely, it's this kind of like uh, that Major League Baseball is this arbiter of what the best of baseball is and that they are elevating the Negro Leagues when we have no reason to think that it's not the other way around, right? Uh, some of the best players, once integration started, winning so many of the MVP awards were former Negro Leagues players. Um, so, yeah. And even the, um, the main article in MLB Today... Uh, talking about this, used the word bestowed. Um, like this yeah, is something they bestowed on that, and that there's, that's rough. Yeah, it's there's um, it's problematic. Now again, it is a good thing. Um, Major uh, Nash, <clears throat> excuse me, Negro Leagues Baseball Museum President Bob Kendrick tweeted um, 
tweeted this the other day or said this the other day. Um, I think it, I found it in a tweet, um, but I think it might have been in, in an interview. Uh, for historical merit, today is an extra, is today is extraordinarily important. Having been around so many of the Negro League players, they never looked to Major League Baseball to validate them. But for fans and for historical sake, this is significant. It really is. Um, it's uh, it's a uh, it's a great day for, uh, for Bob Kendrick and for um, everyone involved in the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum, uh, which is you know an hour or so away from where I live. If you're ever visiting, once we're able to visit again, I really really recommend you do. It's a it's a special experience, um, and it's it's a significant day as Bob said um, for for them. But for instance, um, as uh, Andre Williams, Andrea Will Wright on Twitter uh, tweeted the other day. It's okay that Major League Baseball is incredibly late with this acknowledgement that it's important that it happened at all, but I want to be very clear that this should be only the beginning of their efforts. Um, end quote. Um, and and that's kind of um, how I uh, how I feel about it. I think it's there's a lot of really interesting nuanced takes from a bunch of people um, uh, on Twitter and a bunch of of black baseball writers that I really encourage our listeners to go seek out and see. That this it's this is a not not just a slam dunk yay yay major league baseball for doing this great thing um, that maybe would appear uh, initially and to really kind of understand some of the nuances behind it. Yeah, like the, you you were right about the, the tone, right? It's like, oh look at look at how great we are for recognizing this this league that what you know was that existed because of racism and like there's there's obviously i don't is it 33 um former negro league players in the hall of fame i'm not sure that it's either like 25 or 33 something like that but like so these are already like recognized great players right so to to like it is important that they get some like sort of official status but like you're right it's not that's not like the result, right? It's not, that's not the end game here. Like it, it needs to be like, um, the, the Clinton Yates piece was, was excellent. Um, I'm going to read, it's actually the conclusion of it, but this is from his, his piece. Cause I, I really enjoyed this. It says major league baseball is one league in one country in 2020, joining the globe and recognizing that black folks are real people without whom you could never survive is not a reason to say you're welcome. It's a reason to say, sorry. It's like, okay, that's, that's kind of the perfect way to put it. Right. Like, um, so yeah, like I, one of these, um, one of the efforts with this is, um, you know, integrating all the research that's been done, um, in terms of like official stats, like one of the things I think uh, this will mean, um, Josh Gibson, I believe he hit 441 in 1943, so I believe this would make him technically the last 400 hitter, and I think that that would be the highest average in a season. But so you you have the issue of um, incomplete data for a lot of these um, like official like Negro League stats, and it's not you know Josh Gibson rumored to have hit like over 800 home runs, it's, but only something like 200 plus of those are official. So. He's not suddenly the all-time home run leader. I don't think you're going to get any like major things like that. But it'll be interesting if they pour enough money into research and actually perhaps uncovering even more. I think the more history you can have out uh, in the open and, and know about is is great. Um, you mentioned the Negro League uh, Baseball Museum in Kansas City. Um, uh, that's one of the things I, I definitely want to go see. I, I, you know, Obviously, I want to go visit you. But like oh, ul- ulterior <laughs> motive is also yeah, to go, place, to go see... And eat barbecue while I'm there. Um, so, yeah, it, it's I really it's it's shameful that I haven't uh, visited you, but um, yeah. So like that's that's um, yeah. Kind of alluding to what you said, and I think uh, the last thing I want to say about it, other than again, I really encourage our listeners to check out the show notes and check out uh, Clinton Yates' article. And I'm gonna uh, try to pass along a few. Um, uh, writers twitter's accounts who i thought had some really interesting thoughts throughout throughout yesterday uh, about this is that and i did i found this in a tweet the other day and i cannot find it i don't i don't know why um but the the summa summation was like this is a decent first step um but in addition to that as you alluded to they also need to be dumping money into getting the stat 
uh, the stats sort of solidified and figured out. But also remember, like, like it's not like Major League Baseball bought out the Negro Leagues, uh, yeah. and so like they're they're still separate entities. And Major League Baseball should be throwing way more money into supporting all efforts, including the museum, to preserve this really important part of history. Um, and then so and then putting more money into all of the efforts uh, about maintaining maintaining that history. But after that, there's still racism problems in baseball. Uh, there needs to be more um, black people in in front offices as managers. Uh, this is a this is a thing Major League Baseball gives lip service to that they know is important, and yet it never seems to happen. Um, so there's still a lot of efforts in the here and day that is really important, and it's important for us to not lose sight of that. So, and playing the game too, like you know, absolutely, absolutely, like, absolutely. A, My goodness, you yes. Of, yeah, you have you have to keep that sort of pipeline going at the at a bare minimum like that's uh you know you have to it's a like it's a twofold thing you have to recognize the past but also like invest in the future right that that's what they sort of need to have a comprehensive thing and you're right like the the negro league museum like they've they've had a rough year um this was this was supposed to be the this was the 100th anniversary of the start of the Negro Leagues, and they were going to have a year-long celebration. And w- with COVID, like you know, it, it decimated them. So like they're trying, they're going to end up doing a lot of it next year. But like you know, that's MLB should be like funding that museum, right? Like because that's that's like a, such a key part of the game's history. Like it should be a uh, a sort of satellite office for the like National Baseball Hall of Fame, right? Like that that that's basically how it should be handled. So they shouldn't have to like. Um, you know, be they should they should be like financially solvent through through MLB rather than like having to scrape by on their own. So yeah, before we move on, I just wanted to thank uh, Clinton Yates, Shakia Taylor, uh, Andrea Williams, Corey Frunton, Bob Kendrick, and uh, Bradford Davis, all of whom I I read a lot of yesterday, both articles and and Twitter and tweets, um, to to really dive into that and helped kind of. Help form what I wanted to make sure I, I said, and I'll um we'll include all their all of their Twitter accounts in the Clinton Yates article in the show notes. Yeah, at some point uh, later this week, or perhaps next week, uh, I'm going to dig a little deep into some of the the Negro leaguers who played for the Dodgers and figure out what's what stats there are for them and what might. Be, be coming, you know, with potential for the research. So it should be. The thing I'm interested in is um, it's only they've they've picked seven of the leagues, um, but th- there were more than that, um, and they've also limited it to 1920 and 1948. And I'm wondering if they're going to get pushback on that because that seems uh, somewhat arbitrary uh, to just to be the cutoff. And I'm wondering if that gets expanded at all at any point. So it'll be interesting to see that. 1948, like they're they're saying, like once Larry Doby joined the Indians, they're like. We solved it, you yep. know. Like, <laughs> so, like, no, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, who knows? All right. Um, you have some minor league news for us. Yay. Um, nothing I love more than the ro- the fringes of the roster, uh, the minutiae of this. But, it, it, the, like, there's some, like, you know, marquee-ish names. Uh, and, and some like literally because they were their former Cubs who played on the marquee sports network, or at least were on the team, if, if not injured, uh, the last couple years. Um, so, you know, we always talk about the last few years about like building a bullpen is impossible and well, who's going to be this year's Brandon Morrow? Like, you know, (laughs) (laughs) maybe it's Brandon Morrow, like who knows? Like, so the Dodgers signed him to a minor league deal. He's a non-roster invitee. Uh, I had like sort of forgotten about this, but like he hasn't, he actually act- hasn't pitched in a major league game since July of 2018. He was so good, like uh, with the Dodgers in 17, also the year before that, and then the year after that with the Cubs for a half year before he got hurt. He missed, he was, it was biceps inflammation in 2018 that sort of wiped out his season. He also had a, a injured list stint uh, with a back uh, issue. Um, but then, uh, November of that year, he had, uh, I, I looked this up, it was arthroscopic debridement uh, in his right elbow. Uh, so it wasn't like Tommy John, it was like a cleanup surgery, but he missed all of 2019. 
he had signed a two-year, $21 million deal with the Cubs. Um, then he, uh, after that ran out, he, he did a minor league deal with them last year, but then he ended up getting released in July. I do wonder, I'm not sure how, if he was like healthy in the spring, like if it was a regular season, had he, might he have started the year with them healthy? I don't know. Um, but anyway, so he hasn't pitched since 2018. The good part about that is when he has pitched, so he, he basically moved to the bullpen in 2016. It was a starter before that. But so from 2016 to 2018 in limited duty, 179 ERA, 253 FIP, and a 25% K rate. Very good. The cons hasn't pitched in forever, but now, now he's 36. So, like, you know, this is a flyer that if it works out, great. If not, who knows? Um, the other sort of notable in that vein, um, minor league uh, signee, also a non-roster invitee, is Jimmy Nelson, who was on a major league deal last year, um, but then he had back surgery in July and didn't pitch all in the in the season. So he he missed uh, all of 2018 and and nearly all of 2019 after right shoulder surgery. It, this was after a breakout year in 2017 where he was he was an ace for. You know, 29 starts, uh, he had a 27% K rate, 350 ERA, 305 FIP. Like, it was really a breakout year for him. But uh, he's he's barely pitched since, and he hasn't been healy So he turns 32 in June. Last year, his deal was like, could have been a starter. He had some incentives there, but also, like, was thought about potentially pitching in relief. So not sure what his role might be, if but... You know, if he's healthy, maybe he's a bullpen guy. Maybe he's uh, one of the the, the starting mix. So who knows? But, um, yeah, another thing, like, if he's healthy, great. If not, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, they also signed a couple other uh, old friends for to non-roster invites. Uh, Brock Stewart uh, and uh, Tim Fedorovich. Um, both of them announced the deal on Twitter. Like, uh, say, hey, I'm back with the Dodgers, you know, whatever. Um so, Brock Stewart was interesting to me because, um, so, he was ended up getting um, claimed on waivers uh, in 2018 in July off by the Blue Jays from the Dodgers. But, like, so, he, and he was a guy who made it to the pros, to the majors relatively quickly um, as a pitcher, and then... So he had a fourth option year, but uh, so from 2016 to 2019, he was optioned to the minors 21 different times. Like you, you, you often hear about like option years, you can, you can be optioned at, like as many times as possible within that year, uh, and he was. Uh, there was one of the years with the Dodgers, like I think it was the the year they went to Mexico to play, mm-hmm. where he was he was like optioned, but then like. Just, it was he was like at the airport or something, and then they're like, "Oh wait, we need him back because someone else is getting hurt." And so, I don't remember. He, I don't think he actually got on the plane, but he like came back from the airport. Then they optioned him again like the next day or so. It's he's he he was riding that uh, the the rut uh, from L.A. to OKC to various major league cities and back. Uh, it was it was quite something for a number of years. Um, Tim Fedorovich, this will be his. He was in the the Matt Kemp Yasmani Grandal deal, if you can believe that, from uh, winter meetings seven years ago. Um, this will be his sixth, uh, the sixth team in six years that he's a non-roster invitee in spring training. So he was in the majors every year except 2020 since then. Um, uh, going back, to, he didn't play in the majors in 2015, but he did uh, catch a little bit for the Dodgers for four years from... 2011 2014 and then the other two sort of uh, minor league deals they signed were uh, lefty pitcher James Pazos and uh, infielder utility infielder Carlos Asuaje so like most you know especially these last four they're basically going to be like triple a guys I would imagine and minor league depth because in theory they're going to have a minor league season this year so we'll ha- actually have have games to play and they have to have people on those rosters so you always these are the types of deals you sort of see every year. Hey, did you know the winter meetings happened? <laughs> well, I it like they they sort of did and didn't. I don't You're think right. there was anything technical like I don't I'm not sure if they had actual like 
because the winter meetings really like teams just hole up in suites and then they like secretly meet and stuff. Yeah, and, it, but so, it, to me, the winter meetings feeling, and I know you know this, is that like yeah, just rumor articles getting dropped nonstop. Some deals usually happen. Sometimes a lot of deals, uh, whether the trades or signings, usually happen. And then there's kind of the Rule Five draft, which did happen. Right. Uh, kind of in the middle of that, and this year where it was like the Rule Five draft was just in isolation. It's just like, oh, by the way, the Rule Five draft's right now. Like, oh, yeah. So, so they they did like they did have um, they had like some winter meetingsy type stuff. Like they announced a couple of awards that would have been like in the press room uh, at the winter meetings had they had existed. And then the last day of the winter meetings, the Rule Five draft they had, but. The usual, like, manager interviews, weirdly, like, those are this week. Those have been this week. Like, Dave Roberts is talking later today. We're recording on Thursday. I believe uh, Joe Madden is Friday. So all 30 managers this week are talking rather than last week. So it's like that's they're, – they're, like, spreading out the the sort of winter meetings, which is weird. But, uh, yeah, so it's kind of weird. But, yeah, so they did have a Rule 5 draft. Um uh, that was last week. The Dodgers lost two players in the major league phase. So it was both pitchers, uh, Brett, De, Brett DeGus uh, went to the Rangers. He was the first pick in that. And then Jordan Sheffield was eighth, I believe, uh, to the Rockies. Um, so those guys are in the major league phase. So the, the Rule 5 draft, you have, you have to like keep you have to keep a guy on your roster all year to keep him. Um, otherwise, he you have to like... Uh, he has to clear waivers, and then if before you can send him to the minors on your new team, you have to offer him back to the old team. So, like, these guys often, very often don't stick, right? Because they're, well, they're not good enough, frankly, like, usually to stick all year. And um, so, like, I don't think Sheffield is going to stick at all with the Rockies. DeGus, I guess, has a has a chance to stick with the Rangers. Uh, you know, bullpen guys are a little bit easier to... to stash and use especially if it's there might there might be expanded rosters who knows but um so another thing like they're both healthy but like you could you could be on the injured list for at least part part of the year but like you have to be active for at least 90 days of the year and so if a guy's hurt all year you don't it's not like some loophole that you can get by that you'd have to go into the next year to get to that 90 days active and then you'd still have to offer him back. So odds are like one or both of these guys will end up being returned to the Dodgers at some point. Um, Dodgers don't have to take them back. They can just say, you know what, you can keep him or work out a trade or something like that. But that's, that's sort of where we're at with with those guys. Um, Now there's also a minor league phase. There's no real roster restrictions here. These players are just gone. Um, so the list here, um, Shea Spitzbarth is the most interesting to me because he was a guy a couple of springs ago, seemingly pitched every single game, even though he was in minor league camp, he would, he would always get brought up. And I believe like he, he was like, uh, he would uh, like pitch late in games often. And like, he was like fearless in challenging hitters and stuff. And like, uh, it was, it was pretty funny, like how often he was pitching, um, but yeah, Tyler Gilbert was a, was a more veteran, uh, lefty reliever. Uh, they signed last year. Now he's with the Diamondbacks shortstop. Errol Robinson was a six round pick uh, a few years back. He's with the Reds outfielder. Chris Roller is with the Indians infielder. Drew Jackson, uh, is with the Mets. Um, and then Marcus Chu, also an infielder. Now he's with the Marlins. Um, so yeah, those guys are gone. The Dodgers added two players in the minor league phase, um, uh, catcher Ryan January. He he last played in uh, both Class A levels in 2019. He's 24 in May. He was suspended 50 games for amphetamines in 2017. The other guy was is more of a project uh, outfielder, uh, Roymer Bolivar. He just turned 21 uh, last week, I believe. Um, he uh, hit pretty well in the Dominican Summer League, but hasn't pit, uh, played above that level. You know, two guys also who sort of had lost years in 2020 because there was no um, season. So it would be interesting to see what level those two, like, start at this year. But, you know, these are – it's more minor league filler than anything. Now, what that means for the minors, like, 
these guys will act, presumably have places to play. Um, the minor league sort of restructuring is, I don't want to say set because it's sort of in place. Like um, this last week, uh, Major League Baseball, they 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 use the sort of same language they had in the Negro League press release, like that we bestowed this honor upon. The Negro Leagues, in the same way, they invited 120 teams to be a part of the minors, basically. All four teams, like, or excuse me, all 30 uh, Major League teams invited four affiliates. So the rumored Dodgers uh, move to Spokane did not come to fruition, which meant I the tweet I had a couple weeks ago uh, when that <laughs> was uh, disputed. I got to say Spokane too soon, which is one of my favorite puns. Um, mm-hmm. But so the Dodgers ended up um, inviting their regular four affiliates. So they've been with all these teams for a while. The the two Oklahoma teams they are they're a part owner uh, of the Oklahoma City AAA team, um, and then Tulsa. Those have been since 2015. Uh, Great Lakes, I believe, uh, 2007, I want to say, and then Ranch Cucamonga since 2011. Um, so it's been a while. Now, the one switch is that uh, Great Lakes used to be low A, now it's going to be high A, and the Cal League, where Ranch Cucamonga is, used to be high A, now it's going to be low A. So functionally, um, it's a little different, but also like, that's they use they send a lot of players to Ranch Cucamonga on rehab just because it's so close. Now it, it might be a little bit different because the competition is is lower, but I'm not sure if that's going to be affected because it's still more of a convenience thing than anything. And um, so the rookie leagues are pretty much gone outside of like a team's complexes in either uh, their spring training facility or the Dominican. But so. This isn't, like, finalized yet. It's weird, like, I believe, judging from, like, the reporting, um, J.J. Cooper at Baseball America has been all over this for, like, a year. Um, Evan Drellich of, uh, or Evan Drellich of uh, The Athletic has also report, reported this. That I believe what was sent to um, the major league teams, or the minor league teams, was, uh, like, an invitation. Now, to see the professional like development license i believe is what they're calling it it's going to end up being like a 10-year contract with the with the uh, team with the affiliate or as an affiliate um now the old method used to be like a two-year and four-year deals so this is a little more stable now the problem is mlb has all the cards here to to even get to see the like the license agreement that they have to sign they that a minor league team has to agree to a non-disclosure agreement and that they won't sue major league baseball <laughs> and that's even just to like see it right so like mlb has all the leverage and the as it's been sort of reported that mlb is sort of treating this like if teams because understandably teams are probably going to be like i'm not going to do this this is bullshit right so um if they do that mlb will just go right down the list and be like well on to the next team that will accept this, right? That's because they they sort of created this. They have a few teams on the outside looking in that did not get invitations who would gladly take it if, if they can keep baseball, perhaps. Uh, I would imagine most of these are going to happen, right? Like Because it's better to be an affiliate and have it even uh, if there might be increased costs because some of the benefits outweigh them at some level. Some, some might not. But so the Dodgers, like I said, part owner of the trip, the Triple A team in Oklahoma City. That's not that I would imagine that's that's a no brainer. Um, and the fact that like they have a good working relationship, I think, with all four affiliates, probably bodes well for th- this all getting like done relatively easily. But we, we probably won't even see. Uh, I believe JJ Cooper on a podcast last week said like we're talking like mid to late January till all this gets finalized. So that, uh, it might be a while. So, but like that's the, the structure is essentially there. Now it's just a matter of like, uh, making sure it's all locked in. All right. Going back to Brandon Morrow for a little bit, I think for uh, your, um, torturous trivia question. I I was, now this was going to be much harder actually, because uh, 
but I, I decided against it. So uh, Brandon Morrow tied a major league record by pitching in all seven games in the 2017 World Series. He talked his way into um, into pitching in Game Five, which was the third day in a row, something he hadn't done, um, and he was he was torched in that game. Um, but um, my my original idea for a trivia question to you was going to be who who was the other pl- pitcher who pitched in seven games? It was Daryl Knowles in 1973 for the A's. So I'm sparing you that. <laughs> Thanks, so bud. Two, two Dodgers have pitched in six games in a single World Series. Can you name them? And I'll give you a hint, uh, or not a hint, but just a context. Victor Gonzalez, uh, this last year when the Dodgers played six games against the Rays, he he led the team by pitching in four of those games. All right, I'm going to give that a shot after this. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Which two Dodgers uh, pitched in six games in a single World Series? So I have one question before I even attempt this. Yep. Was one of them also in 2017? Yes. I, I, if you had said no, I was gonna have one other guess and then move on with my life. I, and uh, I'll tell you, they're 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 they are seventy years apart. Seventy? <laughs> oh, yeah. I've got no chance then. Uh, yeah, no, <laughs> probably no chance. <laughs> um, I was like, maybe maybe someone did it in '81 was my my hope. Um, <laughs> uh, what, is it Kenta? No. You had it starts with the same letter. <laughs> oh that no! Uh, wait, first name or last name does as I scan. <laughs> first name. Uh, Kenley. Yep. Oh, really? I I, I did not remember that. He yeah, I six had him games. in five games. I think. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, the other one, I don't think you're going to get. So 1947. <laughs> no. Uh, not. Hugh, K- Hugh Casey. He actually won uh, two two games as a reliever. Um, but yeah, okay. so that's those are the two. Uh, it, it, interesting. Uh, yeah, that's uh, it's interesting that I just have blanked out. It's probably just because um, two of those appearances are a little bit more tragically rememberable than than the other four. So right. those kind of kind of burned in my memory. Well. You have a Dodgers Rewind for us? I do. Uh, this one is a little more recent than most. Um, so Brock Stewart is back. Um, he uh, made his Major League debut with the Dodgers in 2016. There were eight Dodgers that year who made Major League debuts, which is a high number uh, for a team. One of them is Rob Segedin. Um He was acquired by the Yankees in January of that year for pitcher Tyler Olson and infielder uh, Ronald uh, Torres. Um, or Torres, I, I think is how you pronounce it. I always forget that. But um, this was like as the Dodgers were still, they were obviously very good, but they were still sort of building the depth uh, part, and they were in that mode of every possible like upgrade at the bottom of the roster, they would they would go try to get guys, you know, like uh, as often as possible. And there was a lot of like. Um, uh, transactions at near like the bottom of the 40 man roster. And then some of those got churned and some of they would clear waivers and keep in the minors as depth. And some got lost to waivers like, uh, um, Xavier Hernandez, I believe I'm probably, Oh no, I'm mi- messing up his name actually, but it, oh Xavier Cedeno, excuse me. Um, anyway, Sagan stuck a little bit. Uh, he hit okay in 2016. He kind of fell off a little bit in 2017. He ended up with a 70 OPS in 53 games in his two years. He played all four cor- uh, all four corner spots: first base, third base, right field, left field. He had a little decent little run. Um, it was he he made his major league debut at age 27. He was almost 28. Um, had seven years in the minors, 
And he had a really good game um, in his Major League debut against the Red Sox August 7th that year. He doubled. He singled. He drove in four runs uh, in that game. Uh, I forgot about this second part uh, until this morning, actually. Um, he hit two home runs uh, in his time with the Dodgers. They came on consecutive days. One was at the end of a road trip uh, on September 22nd in Cincinnati. That was a wild game, I believe. Uh, Adrian Gonzalez hit three home runs in that game. Uh, Dodgers scored 18 runs. Then they came back the next night at home on September 23rd and second and home and again, this time off Madison Bumgarner. Uh, then later in that game, he left uh, to be with his wife uh, for the birth of their son. Now, Rob Segedin is married to Robin Segedin, and the birth their son they named Robinson Segedin. <laughs> so it was a very thematic uh, thing going on. But the coolest part is the next night, um, in the next game, Vince Scully, in his final year uh, calling Dodger games, like essentially welcomed Robinson Segedin into the world. Like it, he, he uh, there's a video I'll link to it. Uh, Chase Utley was batting and Scully sort of recounted the night like he homered off Madison Bumgarner then went to the hospital uh, to be with his, his wife to uh, see the birth of his son and how, how cool is that like to have uh, <laughs> I, I remember too at some point that year I believe um, they brought the baby to Dodger Stadium and like even went up to the booth and took a picture like as a family with, with Ben Scully which is like how cool is that? That's very cool. Now, the other sort of quirky thing here, and I, I'm trying not to make light of this, but it's impossible. Um, he had wrist surgery after the 2017 season, now, and he didn't actually play in the majors after 2017. Now, in November of 2018, he sued uh, the hand specialist that was used by the Dodgers. The Dodgers weren't named in the suit. Dr. Steven Shin, uh, who performed the procedure, um, his wife also sued Shin. I'm not sure if it was part of the suit or separate, but this is from a Pedro Mora article in The Athletic from 2019. His wife sued Shin for, quote, loss of love, companionship, comfort, affection, society, and solace, and sexual relations. <laughs> like, really? Like, that? that's... I, I have no... I, I tried to find this. I don't know the status of that lawsuit, like if it got settled or what happened, but that's one of the more interesting sentences I've ever seen, mm -hmm. um, especially for wrist surgery. Uh, anyway, he moved on. Uh, he joined the Phillies in uh, 2019 as um, in their sort of front office, I guess. I believe this was, I don't know if this was a coaching staff position or not. Last, uh, in 2019, he was player information assistant. I think that's technically a coach but possibly one who doesn't dress for games. And then this last year, or in 2020, he shifted to assistant minor league hitting coordinator. So he's on the coaching side now. Uh, so that's the sort of story of Rob Segedin. This is Norman who asked me a silly trivia question. Uh, yep, I do. I have a trivia question for you. That You're <laughs> you're not going to get this one. Um, so uh, Rob Segedin, in that major league debut, he set a Dodgers record with four RBIs. Mm -hmm. uh, now, there are two players, two Dodgers, who had three RBIs in their Major League debut. Can you name either one of them? <laughs> Apparently not. <laughs> both, I'll tell you this. Both were in Brooklyn. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, well, technically, both played for Brooklyn. One was at, both against the Giants. One was at the uh, Polo Grounds, or I guess wherever the Giants played before the Polo Grounds because it was so old. Uh, I guess I won't bother guessing. The only thing I will say is that I was proud of myself for thinking uh, th the record was almost Yasiel Puig. Um, but he had uh, that one kind of no-for game to start, and then the hot streak started. Five, yeah, he had the five RBI Grand yeah. Slam game. Um, so uh, the the previous one to Rob Segedin was Packy Rogers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> A third baseman who uh, drove in three, uh -huh. uh, and then Ed Householder. So look, these are these these are householder <laughs> names. You should have known this. Uh -huh. <laughs> he I'm was really glad fielder. I didn't bother just start listing off good Brooklyn <laughs> <Right>. hitters. <laughs> no, that's why I knew you weren't going to get it because these are like so. So I'm I'm actually looking. 
Packy. Um, he went to Fordham, uh, like Vin Scully. So, um, actually, looking at the age, he is. Oh no, he's a good deal. He's about 15, 14 years older than Vin Scully. So I was going to say he he went to Fordham just like Vin, but they're not they're not contemporaries. Um, but uh, his 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 given name is Stanley Frank Rogers. So I, I love this. So he. I, he's listed as Packy Rogers on Baseball Reference, and that's like how you pull up his name. But then it, under, under his bio, it's full name Stanley Frank Rogers, and then a nicknames Packy. Thanks. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I got that right. Like yeah. So no, I don't know. So yeah, that's that's our uh, Rob Segan segment. Well, you know, it's time for questions from Craig. Five questions sometimes some sub questions though including this first question which is for you the trivia question this is uh, the last episode is the same thing where craig's question trivia question for you is more in jacob might be able to guess territory uh whereas i would i'm gonna get i'm gonna get murdered in this yeah i I have a question if you hadn't looked up the two trivia questions today uh how would you have stood (laughs) Would you have gotten like? Would you have been the same with me, or with um, I can't? You would have gotten Kenley, but I I would have I I'm not sure. I don't think I would have guessed Kenley so readily because I didn't. Yeah. I was surprised that no, he even got the when six you games. gave me the, the the name hint, I'm like Kenley doesn't make sense. I but. I would not have gotten either of those questions. I remember like when I found that it was Packy Rogers, I go oh yeah because I remember writing about it. Mm. But like, but it would have. Uh, there's no way Packy Rogers was near, no anywhere <laughs> near, near the, the front ball. of my mind. So like, yeah. All right. Well, it's the final 2020 quiz questions for you, Eric. Uh, in this year, uh, these will be about which Dodger player had the most of these categories in a game during the Andrew Friedman era. Ugh. All right. So first one, and I've, I, Craig sent along the top five. Um, so, uh, but I'm looking for number one if you can get it. Uh, so the first is multi home, most multi home run games. So this is okay. from 2015 to now. Yeah. So, you know, if you look at this, right, like the, there's, there's not a, a ton of people who have been around from 2015 to that. Well, Justin Turner's like the only hitter, right. To been, I guess, no, Jock Peterson, Kike, Austin Barnes, those guys, but like, um, so multi home run games, my, my initial thought, I'm just going to go with this, is Yasiel Puig. Not on the list. Not on wow. the top five list. So I have to say, then, then I would say Justin Turner next. Number four with eight. And Jock Peterson, because he tends, tends to be a streaky guy. Number one with 15. Okay. 15. Wow. <laughs> um, okay. So, uh, the others are Cody yeah. Bellinger with 12. Uh, Yasmani Grandal with nine, and then tied with Justin Turner, Corey Seager. Ah, Corey Seager, of course. So the next up, (sighs) multi-hit, most multi-hit games. Um, And I want you to guess the number with this, just not that you have to get that to get it right, but I'm curious if you can. And, like, again, like, I think the time, the two years away hurt Puig, so I'm going to leave him for now. Um... Let's go, and then Seeger had a lot of time away, but let's. I'm gonna say Corey Seeger, number two. Any um, idea okay. how many games do you think that is? Yeah, um, 104, 175. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> so okay, so in that case, wow, if he's two. Uh, Justin Turner? Number one with 203. Wow. Rounding out that list, Cody Bellinger with 128. Chris Taylor with 117. Good for Chris wow. Taylor. Wow. I didn't. Uh, I would not have expected that. And then Jock Peterson with 110. Also, I well, just because he was there for so long, I guess I should have. Mol, mol, most multi-walk games. So this one, I, ha- I think I'm going to say Jock Peterson first. Number one even though, with 44. Yeah. Because he's been like, would yeah, you believe the Dodgers like ultimate true three outcome guy <laughs> leads the two true outcomes <laughs> on this list? Yeah, and then uh, 
So, wait, what is it, like 40-something? 40 44. So, I think even though it is a relatively short time, I think Max Muncy would have cracked the top five if that's the number. Yep, uh, that, you, your mind went exactly where I went. I was like, I wonder if Max made oh. this, and he did, number yeah. four with 36. Yeah, so then I, I would still go to Justin Turner. Number three with 38. Uh, and then... The other two well, names have appeared before. I've said these names already on this question. Um, okay, so how about Yasmani Grandal? Number five of 34. And Corey Seager? Nope. I think other uh, really good Dodger hitter. <laughs> oh, Bellinger? Yeah, number two with 42. Wow, wow. All right, cool. Uh, final question, contest question for you and me. A simple three-parter. Pick the years and amount for the following three uh, free agents. Oh, I hate these. Yeah. <laughs> this is for picking right team. Jeez. Especially the we we've done one of these already with the with the Dodgers returning free agents, and we both decided that this this just the economic situation perceived or otherwise uh, just makes this so hard. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Uh, I'm not a fan. Um, okay, so. All right, so who's first? Uh, George Springer. Okay, so we're doing, wow, years, amount, and team. Okay, so for Springer, I think he's going to be with the Mets. Mm-hmm. Uh, and let's say, let's say 5-105. Okay, Um I'm going with Toronto 5-125. Um, and I'm going to look up real quick. <laughs> uh, and there'll be trade I, rumors. I, I was going to say, wow. I, I didn't even wow. look. I didn't even I, look I, at I, I brought it up so we could refer after we guessed. They guessed yeah. the White Sox, which is, I think is silly. But they guessed 5-125. Look <laughs> at me. Nice. I am an expert. <laughs> <laughs> Do, do you want to go first on the next one? No, it's Trevor Bauer, but I will. Uh, uh, I think he will be a Met, and th- he's the ultimate, like, absolutely could just take the one-year deal. Yes. Um, and I think he I will. I don't think he will, no. Well, I, no I'm okay. going to go with it. Um, I think it'll be, oh, man. It's got, like, if the Mets don't get screener, they're going to go have to go for Bauer, right? Because they cut off their ability to get Real Muto. Um, one year... 30 million with the Mets. Wow. We are going to differ here. Um, so I think he's going to be the angel splash. Yeah. That's, um, I almost wanted to go there, but it just, the Mets coming away empty handed. Just and, and I think there's enough demand for him that he ends up getting five, one forty. Okay. Which, no, and is, which sounds high, but who knows? And that absolutely could happen. Um, I'm gambling a little bit on the one year thing. Um, the MLB trade rumors has him going to the Dodgers, which I don't see, and I don't particularly want. <laughs> um, uh, and they have four years, one twenty-eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, JT Realmuto. So the now the Mets would have been my choice here uh, had they not yeah. signed James McCann. <laughs> so I think I'm going to say Toronto. Okay. Oh, that's interesting. And I, so. And I think, like, probably, uh, let's say, let's say five one twenty. Um. Yeah, he's definitely. I, I. I just realized I picked five years for all of them, which there's no way that comes true. So. Uh, he's the really interesting one. Exactly like you said, is like, like the teams that have a great need at catcher have a lot of money issues. I'll say the Nationals, even though I'm not particularly. Um, confident in that, and I'll say um, four four ninety four. No, he's gonna want more. Um, four one hundred. Um, nice. They have uh, him going to the Mets, and again, their, their article came out before the McCann signing. Of uh, same same numbers as Springer five one twenty five. Wow. Well, we're going to be spectacularly oh, wrong. Oh, God. Completely <laughs> wrong. Um, I, maybe I'll get Sprina right. Maybe I'll, maybe yeah. I'll, I'll nail that one. Um, Eric, this is the third question. You take the Angels and Jacob. Uh-oh. You take the Mets. Tell us why your teams will win a playoff series before the other team. 
These are cruel. Um, <laughs> um, so I've I've got a I've got I've got a good argument. Now I, I will start off by saying this: I'm ruining my own argument here, but I don't think the Angels will win a playoff series before the Mets. <laughs> but if they do, it's because of top level talent and the Angels. Their offense has the potential to be really good because. They still have Mike Trout and Anthony Rendon, who are ridiculous. The problem is they're they have razor thin to no depth all around, like on offense, uh, in the pitching staff, and I think the new sort of regime is going to try to fix that. Um, maybe not this year right away, but um, they're sort of making strides. But if they get like Trevor Bauer or a top pitcher or two to sort of stabilize that staff this year's Specifically, they have um, Dylan Bundy and um, uh, Andrew, Haney, Andrew Heaney and then Griffin Canning. Now, it's a lot better when those guys don't have to be at the very top of the rotation. If you could stick some guy at, as an ace and actually have a competent rotation, that's that can make some noise. Um, so I think I think that's their path to, to doing this. That said, they... They're, they've run out of Iglesias's to to trade for. They've gotten both of them uh, so far. Uh, so, yeah, they need, like, Shohei Otani to be healthy, even if he's not pitching, uh, just to be an actually competent hitter because he could be a difference maker. But, yeah, there's, there's a lot to like there, and I think that's their sort of path. They have to get a pitcher. They probably have to add a few more pieces, but that that's how they sort of win. Um, I have... I, I think the Met you make a really strong argument for this specific question from the Mets in that one new owner Steve Cohen is a gazillionaire and wants to spend to kind of endear himself to the fans. That's big. Two, we're probably going to get some sort of really awful expanded playoffs with a short series to start. And how do you win short series? Starting pitching, and they oh, are going to have yeah. Trevor Bauer, and they already have Jacob Degrom, and they already have Marcus Stroman. So, like that—that that is a team that can win a short series. Uh, uh, and in addition to whatever else um, new ownership brings to the team, so uh, I feel confident that Craig gave me the right one. And thank you, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> um, and of course, that means the Angels are going to win the pennant next year, just naturally. Um, Probably Can you not. imagine. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that uh, would be an amazing World Series to cover, though, because obviously they'd be playing the Dodgers. So. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who, who knows? Most likely movie you'll be sure to watch between now and Christmas evening. Great question. Um, so, I would say, like, I'll be, I'll probably watch quite a few. Um, Christmas Vacation is probably the one, like, if I had to say for sure. But I would imagine uh, I will watch Elf. Um, uh, I still have Planes, Trains, and Automobiles recorded from a couple weeks ago. That's a Thanksgiving movie, but I've been watching so many, like, holiday-type movies that I will mix that in. I did watch Home Alone. I might watch Home Alone 2 at some point. I have a, a load of Hallmark movies uh that i will probably watch um the the various christmas specials are only like half hours so i don't think they count as movies necessarily um but those will be watched Uh, so there's going to be a lot of um christmassy type watchings and then so because craig said between now and christmas evening i probably won't watch it's a wonderful life until christmas evening so that's that I'm not no I don't know if I'll count that but I'll for sure watch that as well. Um, it's whatever my family normally does ha- would go to a movie theater uh, watch a movie on Christmas uh, Eve. Oh, I guess I guess that's Wonder been, Woman counts. Yeah, because, yeah, uh, that's I'll, be, what... I'll be streaming that for sure. But but on Christmas though, right? So like, but he said Christmas I guess evening, it, right? Yeah. <laughs> like so, mine would be on Christmas is going to be on Christmas Eve night. Yeah. Um, so that's probably going to be wonder woman um and we're all going to try to sync our play times at the same time my family and I. um but that said if wonder woman comes out like in the middle of christmas day as opposed to like late-ish night 
Um, It'll be like midnight, right, on Christmas Eve. That well, if it's midnight Pacific, it. we probably won't have it because everyone's going to be sleeping. If it's midnight Eastern, it might. So it's, it'll be a, a needle to thread. Um, I, I uh, mentioned this, I think, a couple weeks ago. Uh, still want to watch Jingle Jangle, but that might be something I wait until Christmas. We're big um, oh, Advent I, people. I, 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 so we, we try to, like, we're trying to clamp down on actual Christmas stuff until um really close to the date so uh it'll i'm not sh- i'm not sure if it'll be a christmas movie or not uh um i'm gonna cheat because it's not a movie but it's felt like a movie i'm excited to uh conclude the this season of the mandalorian how about that that's good uh i i did forget about jingle jangle i have not seen that yet but i will watch that at some point um yeah that might be my christmas evening movie so all right Final food question. Although you, you and I may record before the new year. I was going to say, we, there's like you know, we we have two weeks left in the year, and I would imagine we'll record something in that last week. So. But it might not come out till the new year, so I think it's That's, fair to say. Uh, Touche. Uh, it'll yeah, be it, if not the last, it'll be basically the same thing. Very good chance, even if we record on like the thirtieth, that'll end up being a uh, twenty one oh one episode yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So good, good call. Uh, certainly in Southern California, tamales are a seasonal treat this time of year. I like a green chile and cheese tamale. Eric and Jacob, are you tamale fans, and what are your some of your favorites? Bonus food question. Was there a holiday food treat in the Palm Springs area that Eric remembers? And Jacob, does her, your wife and her family have any food traditions that you both enjoy this time of year? Yeah, tamales are great. Um, so... Green chili is a great uh, tamale. Uh, chicken tamale is is another one that I I, I like often. Um, now, for me now, my tamale consumption is um, is dominated by a gentleman and his wife who <laughs> like just randomly go around at my apartment complex every Sunday morning. They they may have missed a couple. But for a good two plus years, he just goes throughout the sort of complex and goes tamales, tamales, and then you go down and his his wife is there in the car and you they're like two or three bucks a pop or whatever it is. It's very cheap, and um, they're very good. Um, so that that always hits a nice little odd craving now and then. Um, yeah, what about you on tamales? Um generally like them um not a huge fan when they're really uh corn heavy uh which Mm, comes up a lot uh but generally uh, a big fan of 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 them in general um i haven't had a green chili and cheese tamale but that sounds like exactly what i want (laughs) so i might have to uh, add that on what's what's interesting is um this is probably because i grew up in in suburbia but uh 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 Way more tamales in my life uh, since I moved. Uh, just happened to oh. be near a bunch of um, in neighborhoods where there were same very similar situation to you. Uh, just um, uh, mom and pop shops. Either um, one took orders on, via Facebook, and then they would let you know when they were in your neighborhood. But otherwise, just kind of yeah, roaming the neighborhoods, um, and also have made some friends that have made some really good um, homemade tamales. So. In terms of uh, Melissa and her food traditions, I'm trying to think. There's always like a cream cheese dip when we go to their place, with like um, with like a jam and cream cheese and chips out, um, and that was new to me, and that's really good. But other than that, it's kind of your standard Christmas fare. Um, uh, and on my side, it's always the uh, the Christmas cookie making process that we're uh you know having to do distant this year but we will be doing uh long distance uh, making our own uh, with my mom on the phone so i know my my brother um his wife her family for years would do uh would make taquitos on christmas day um and those were awesome always um but i'm trying to think tamales so in terms of palm springs the one thing that i remember um, and I think this was around the holidays, but one of the ladies in elementary school who worked in the, in the office would like sell popcorn balls for like a dollar. And they were, I guess the essentially, um, 
the sort of equivalent of making like a Rice Krispie treat, but with popcorn. Um, that sort of consistency, you know, like a marshmallowy uh, popcorn concoction. And there's food coloring involved. And she did it, I want to say, for more than just Christmas. But for Christmas, they were always like red and green. Um, but those were, I mean, it's just, you know, salt and sweet. It was just a, just to put that all in my pie hole, basically. Uh, those were always fun. Um, it never like like the obviously she she was perfectly like fine and good, but just it never I never put two and two together. But she was also the lady who would all do the who she she would administer the lice tests at school, <laughs> and like you do you really want to be buying yeah. <laughs> like food like that she brings in like uh, to school like that? Who knows? But no, it was fine. It was it was all well and good and. I love that stuff. So yeah, that's that's my sort of holiday flashback. Well, uh, that's the last podcast, maybe of the year. Maybe we'll have one more sort of New Year's episode, which we'll 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 gently call uh, one yeah. for twenty twenty one. I think the other interesting thing to say um, around this era that you and I usually start talking about Oscar movies, and that's another thing that's going to be really hard this year. <laughs> it- <laughs> uh, Bad Boys uh, for Life is the last movie I saw in a theater, and like that has to be one of the front Oscar contenders because it's one of the very few movies that was actually released in 2020. So yay! No, I don't know. Who knows? Um, what a year! What? Well, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna make another holiday treat uh, this weekend, I believe. Uh, Chex Mix. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm gonna jo- enjoy that, and hopefully you, you're enjoying your holiday treats as you listen to this and. We will see you in a few weeks. Happy holidays, everybody.